Yeah, so Acts, Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to be today. Um, it's going to be fun to, to jump into this. And so you know, here's how I want to start this morning. Have you ever observed something? Um, and in your curiosity, it led you on a, a quest to just ask questions, to want to know more. So think about this. Have you ever observed something that just that intrigued you, that led you to this quest to discover, to know more? And so you think about this past week, the eclipse, and just how beautiful it was. And this reality is that for many of you, the weeks leading up to the eclipse, you were supposed to be working. And instead, you were sitting at your desk doing research on the eclipse, right? And, and, and you're looking at your phone, and, and there's just something about this that, that just made you want to know more, that wanted you to, 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 to discover more about what was going on. I think about a, a couple weeks ago, one of my friends, he goes to marathon, his name's Andrew, and he was in the military, and he's going through this change of command ceremony. And so we went, and um, we were just sitting there watching him. And, and I feel like I was in a foreign country because I didn't understand any of the things that, that they were doing. But, but what I observed is that they knew exactly what they were doing, that, that the commanders, they knew the marches and they knew the orders. And I just found myself sitting there just being fascinated by what was unfolding and just watching this and just asking questions. Like, I wonder how long it took for them to learn how to march like that and to learn how to, to, to respond to the different commands. And I just found myself just being intrigued. And, my, and intrigue led me to ask questions. And this week, as, as I was in Acts chapter 2, that, that same kind of curiosity was, was stirring in my heart as I was reading this passage. I was going, man, what was going on in this church? And I look at our church and I go, we have a, we have a pretty amazing church. If this is your first week here, I hope that you come back. I hope that you experience the, the amazing people that, are, that just make up this Marathon family. I hope that you come and see what God is doing here. And, and I go, man, there's something special about this church family. But there was something about what was going on in Acts chapter 2. I go, man, it just piqued my curiosity. And so this morning, what my hope for us is that, that we have just this curiosity, that we don't just read this passage of Scripture like we've read it a hundred times or like it's some uh, ancient text, but that we read it and we go, man, what was going on there? And that in our curiosity, God would lead us into this place of searching, this place of participation, this place of activation. And so I want to read our text this morning, Acts chapter 2. You guys doing well? Would you tell me if you weren't? Okay, probably not in this, in this realm. Uh, Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. This is the word of the Lord. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so to give us a little context, um, just prior to this, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was crucified on Good Friday. Three days later on Easter Sunday morning, he rose from the grave. And Acts chapter 1 verse 3 says that for the next 40 days, he appeared to different people, showing them the, the places in his hands where they had driven nails. He went around proving that he was in fact alive and well and powerful. He looks at his disciples. He looks at this group of 11, these apostles, and he looks at the, the greater group of women and men who had been following him. And he said, I want you to go and I want you to wait in Jerusalem. It's the same Jerusalem that exists today in the Middle East. He says, because what's going to happen when I ascend to the Father is that I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to live inside of you. And so the, the picture that you see in the beginning of Acts chapter 2 is the 120 believers. 
Think about this, that there was a time where there were only 120 people globally who believed and followed in Jesus. And they were gathered in this place and they were praying. They were doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. They were waiting. And in that moment, it says that the Holy Spirit was given to them and that the joy and the love and the goodness and the power of God filled the believers' lives. And Peter, one of the apostles, he stands up and he preaches this sermon. And that day, 3,000 people respond to the message. So in one day, the church grows from 120 to 3,000 people. Think about that. And the question that I was asking this week as I read this text is, I wonder what they did on Monday morning. People whose lives were completely changed. They were completely filled with the Spirit. They were made new. What did the next day look like for them? And Luke, the writer of Acts, he gives us this insight. He says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. He keeps writing this in verse 46. He says, every day they continued to meet together. They broke bread. They ate with glad and sincere hearts. They praised God. They enjoyed the favor of all the people. And I go, does anything about that make you curious? I don't know what your experience with. Maybe this is your first time in church. And we are so unbelievably thankful that you chose to be here with us this morning. But when you think about church, when you think about what, you, what you've heard about church, what you've heard about Christians, is that the picture for those of you who've grown up in church, you think about uh, th- th- what you have experienced, what you're currently experiencing. I go, is that, is that a description of, of your life, of our church? Is there anything about that that goes, man, what was God doing? What was going on in the hearts and the lives of these people? That they were so filled with joy. They were so filled with, with life and with laughter. They were so filled with God's presence that salvation was flowing to people who didn't know him. What was going on? And I just kept seeing this. That what you see in Acts chapter 2 is this a, a personal commitment to a communal pursuit. And I believe what you see unfolding in Acts chapter 2 is a, a personal commitment to a communal pursuit. It says they devoted themselves. Think about this when you devote yourself to something to becoming educated, when you devote yourself to getting in shape, when you devote yourself to someone, what does that reveal? It reveals that you really value that thing. It reveals that that it is incredibly important to you. And the way that you know it is important to you is that you use your resources, your time, your energy, your money on them. Reveal the things that you're devoted to and you'll see the things that you value. Reveal the things that you're devoted to and you'll see the things that you value. It doesn't even have to be big, important things. You value having clean teeth, healthy teeth, so you brush them, you floss, you go to the dentist, right? You value finding a a, a godly woman, guys, to marry. So you work up the courage and you ask her out and you spend all of your money on that ring and you spend all the money on it the rest of your life, right? Like when you're devoted to something, it shows what's important to you. And you know what's important to you because you put your resources there. And I just kept thinking about this word devoted. 
It doesn't imply that it's easy, that it comes without a cost. No, it rather, it implies discipline, self-sacrifice, investment. It says they devoted themselves to Scripture, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Every day they continued to meet together. And I think we can read that. There's so many different ways that we can hear it, but one of the ways that we can hear that is we go, man, we, we can't do that. That was the first century. We all live in different parts of, uh, of the city. It would be impossible. We get kicked out of this venue sometimes on Sunday. There's not even a venue big enough that you and I could, could meet on every night of the week, even if we wanted to. So there's one way of reading this text, and we can just be frustrated because this utopia, this exact picture, is impossible for us to live into. But I want to change the conversation a bit and ask a question, personal questions for us. Are you personally committed to the things that Luke describes in verse 42? Are you devoted to Scripture? Are you devoted to fellowship? Are you devoted to the breaking of bread? Are you devoted to prayer? I'm not trying to guilt you if you're not. I just, I, I want us to, to change the conversation a little bit. And, and instead of going, man, that's impossible, go, no, is, is it impossible? Is the heart of what was going on, is that actually impossible for us? For the sake of our conversation today, I don't want to unpack all of that past. And in fact, I want to just work, look at that one word, the word fellowship. We started a new teaching series last week. So if this is your first week, you're not too far behind. You can go back and listen, get caught up really easy. But for the next four months, we're in this teaching series that's called Belonging and Becoming, the Family of God. And last week, we talked about this idea of God being our Father, that He wants to be known. He wants us to interact with Him as our Father. We talked about this idea that because He is our Father, it makes us sons and it makes us daughters. And since we are sons and since we are daughters, it means that we are more than just people who sit beside each other on Sunday mornings. It means that we are more than just people who are excited to, to bump into each other at Baja Burrito on Thursday night. It means that we are family, that we belong to each other, that we need each other. When you think about life with Christ, do you think about those things? Do you go, man, person sitting next to me. I, I need them. I belong. I matter. I'm needed. I'm valued. I'm celebrated. And what hit me is that the whole picture of Acts chapter 2, that whole idea, it swims against the culture that we're living in right now. A culture that celebrates individualism and independence. And what I believe the scripture, especially here, is trying to teach us is that there is such beauty when you give yourself to a community, when you make the choice not to go rogue and not to live this closed off life to others. No, when you are a person that is devoted to fellowship, and the best that I can tell the word fellowship here just means relationship. When you give yourself to this, there's so much good to be found. 
putting all my cards on the table, the reason we're talking about this today, the reason all these signs are up around the room is because we're having house church signups today. House churches are what we call our small groups. They are our smaller groups of people that, that meet all over the city in every different neighborhood for the purpose of loving each other and, and going after the heart of God. And it is my great desire that every single person would get connected in a house church. And I just kept thinking, you know, we're sitting here and the thought of, of joining something like this, the thought of being in a small group, like the thought of, of giving your life. I mean, we have every reason why we shouldn't. Let me just name a few. It's a big commitment to every week. Think about how busy we are. Or, man, I'm, I'm going to be out of town a lot. I'm traveling a lot this fall for work, for pleasure. I can't fully get invested in a smaller group because I'm going to be out so much. Or I don't have my life together. If the person sitting next to me only knew how dysfunctional I really was, there's no way I could step into a small group and let people see who I am. I already have friends. I have kids. And these are all things that I feel that, that Brandon, like, you know, these are reasons that I don't want to be a part of a house church. The question I want us to think about, though, is what do we miss out on if we stand off, if we don't plug in? Who are the people that will go through pain this year? Who are the people that will lose a loved one, that will slip into depression, that will have their heart broken by a boy? And that your life and your story and your experiences could encourage them and walk with them. What are the things that will be discovered about God about ourselves that will propel us into deeper places of love and commitment to the kingdom of God and to each other? What gifts will be discovered? What passions will come alive? What are the things that I will find breakthrough and healing in? Because I let other people into my life. Who are the friends that I will make? The fruits of the spirit that I will develop the people that will come to know Jesus. You see, we can do the whole independent, renegade Christian thing. And I think we can get by. But life is meant to be lived, devoting ourselves to fellowship, to relationship. Courtney and I have been a part of Ethos, my wife, from the very beginning. We live, we've been a part of house churches the past nine years, every year on some level. I think about over the years, just the things that God has shown us, the things that he has taught us, the things that we've experienced. Think about a, a special house church that I was in. And a guy comes in and his wife just got diagnosed with early onset dementia. I don't know if you know too much about it, but it's an incurable disease. 
greatly shortens your lifespan. And he tells us this. Another guy in the circle just got out of a divorce, painful divorce, living this reality that his girls that he loves so much are three hours away. And we get to sit and we get to experience, we get to feel. And we got to learn, we get to care for, we get to learn what to say, what not to say. We get to walk with people and their real stuff. Think about a house church that I was in where we decided that we wanted to, to share our stories. We wanted to let the, the group know just the things that have shaped us, the people that we are. And so we shared our, our, our real things. You know, we shared our, our, our struggles. We struggled our fears. We struggled our pain. We struggled. We shared all of the, the things that make us who we are. And you're going, that sounds terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it is. But the love and the trust and the empathy and the compassion that's formed. Think about a guy in my house church. He and his girlfriend were living together. They're sleeping together. And he reaches out to him and he says, hey, can I come over? It's late one night. He said, the Lord is just convicting me that what we're doing is not right. He said, I thought this was going to like satisfy me. I thought this was going to be everything that I wanted. And yet God is just going, man, that there's more for you. He said, what do I need to do? And I go, that, that doesn't happen. When there's not people in your life that you trust, and then you can call on the phone late at night and say, will you help me? What do I need to do? God is stirring and I have no idea what I need to do. And some of you come here and you go, I don't want to be convicted of sin. Yes, you do. Hear me out on this. I'm a sinner. And we don't want to, we don't want to step out of sin because the enemy just traps us and he convinces us that the darkness is where life happens. But what happens when, 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 when God starts shining his light into our heart and we start stepping into the light, we start letting people in, we start walking in ways of repentance, we find true life. And some of you are so scared, and I've been there. You're so scared about people knowing you. There's nothing to fear in the body of Christ. We are family. We are all broken. We all stumble. And I'm convinced that some of you will experience breakthrough this year in healing like you did not even know was possible. You're so scared right now. This is part of my story. You know, there were things in my past I was so scared to share, so scared that people would know. And I started letting people in. Most terrifying thing ever. And what happens is you're not met with condemnation when you really let people in on your life that you love and trust, people who've been vulnerable with you. You're met with celebration and joy. This is a picture of house church. It's not just this heavy, it's not just all these things. I mean, house churches, there's been so much life and so much just fun things that have happened. I think about a guy in a house church and he and his, his, his girlfriend, they, they connected in our house church and he called me one night and he said, hey, I want to propose and I want to do it in, in the place that we meet for house church. He said, can I propose in your living room? I said, no, 
You can do that. Yeah, of course you can do that. He said, and, and, and I think about, I want the people from house church there. They were the ones who played a part in our story and us coming together and, and who we are today. And so we get there early on Wednesday night. We put Christmas lights all over my house, which I love. And, and we, our group shows up and they have candles. And the, 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 the girl, the, she walks to the doors and her, her face, when she realized what was happening. And this happened in our house church. And so if you want to get married, get in a house church. <laughs> House church is not going to be perfect. It's not going to check every box. But if you'll devote yourself to others, the same way you devote yourself to the things that you care about, if you'll set aside time in your life and your week to drive to that person's house, if you'll open your life up to, to laugh and to care about other people and to share your life if we will just let people in. A personal commitment to a communal pursuit. I love how he finishes this little piece of the passage in verses 46 and 47. He says, they were filled with gladness and joy and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Who doesn't want that? Gladness, joy, lost people coming to know the Lord. Jesus said this in John chapter 13. He says, everyone will know that you're my disciples by the way you love one another. I go, how can you possibly love people that you don't know? And how can you get to know them without being devoted to spending time with them? See, in house church, it becomes this thing that's not self-serving. No, as we truly love one another, the world begins to get this glimpse of true love and true sacrifice. A group of people who are committed to each other, who are committed to the world. See, in house church, we help each other. And we serve each other and we help the world and we help each other care about the world. This personal commitment to a communal pursuit. They wanted God. And they wanted God together. Do we want this? Has your life been turned upside down by the gospel? Have you encountered a God that came looking for you, that, that found you, that saved you, that seated you in the heavenly realms, that is coming back for you? Have you found that God? Have you found the pearl of great price? Do you love God? Do you want to know more of God? Do you want to walk more faithfully with God? And will you do that with other people? We're a family. We're not just a bunch of individuals. We belong to each other. We need each other. So here in just a minute, we're going to take communion. Noah and Amanda are going to get back up, and they're going to lead us in some more worship. And we have bread, and we have juice scattered all over the rooms. This is what Jesus told us to do. He says, when you break the bread, when you drink the cup, he says, think about me, think about me, remember me. And today, as we take the bread, as we take the cup, you can scatter all over the room. You can come back to your seats, but I invite you to take it with a few other people, maybe the people you came with or the people that are sitting in front of you. Make someone feel welcome. Everyone here doesn't know everyone. And so if you don't know someone, chances are there are other people in the same boat as you. And so ask them, hey, let's take community. Let's get to know each other. 
And as we take communion, I want you just to ask this one question. Will you commit to a house church this year? Will you commit to a house church this year? And if you're hesitant, share why. House churches are for everyone. They're for Christians. And they're for those of you who are on a spiritual journey trying to figure out this whole Christ thing's real. They're for those who are far along in their journey and, there are those for, and they are for those who are just beginning. And so as we take communion, man, share and pray for each other. Pray that God would give us this desire and this discipline to live in this beautiful picture of family. So let me pray for us and then we'll go to communion. God, thank you for today. Thank you for these men and these women, these children. I pray that you would just lead us. That you would break down the walls of fear that would keep us from stepping in. God, that you would even reward our obedience of, of giving value to these things that matter. God, even lead us this morning as we take communion and open our eyes and reveal our hearts. Um, Thank you for your sacrifice, Jesus. Thank you for including us in your family. Um, yeah, we love you so much. In your name we pray, amen.